0: Abu Aswad al-Du'ali went to Imam Ali and he said, "Ya Hanu, abna'una. Our, our children are beginning to speak grammatically incorrect Arabic." And Sayyidna Ali says, "Dawun lahum al-'Arabiyyata. Uh, Wa'abdah huna. Uh, Al-'Arabiyya tu ila ism wal-fir'lan wa harf. Fanhu hadda fanhu." So Sayyidna Ali said to him write down the rules of arabic for them and he said and, and and start here arabic's divided into three types of words nouns and ism is more, it's it's any substantive like it includes adjectives and so 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 ism is not a noun per se in arabic it, it includes a, a pronouns and nouns and adjectives uh, and then he said fi'run, uh, which is a, a, a verb, and then harfun, which is uh, the articles, the uh, prepositions. Um, and, 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 and then he said, and go this way. So that's where we got the word nahu, grammar, from Sayyid Ali. So that begins grammar. So they learned grammar, and, and grammar enabled the ajam, and the ajam actually surpassed the Arabs. They actually become the, 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 the carriers of the Arabic language You look at all the great grammarians, they were all Persians They become the great grammarians of Islam So, if you say that grammar is a bid'ah, it's a baruriyah it's a necessary bid'ah. It's wajibah Because it's the only way the language will be preserved But Sayyidina Omar didn't know the fa'il and the maful and the majroor he didn't know uh, these things. He didn't know an bil-qati, al khafil. He didn't know any of these terms, but he knew the language, and he spoke perfect Arabic, and he could understand the Quran. He knew when Allah says "La ilaha," and the "La" there is nafil al-jins, and that's why "ilaha" is mansub. He knew what that meant. That it means there's no God. Illallah, istithna. he knew what that meant. So they understood that by their fitra. So it becomes necessary though. And in the same way, the tazkiyah of the sahaba was bil fitrah. They read the Quran, they understood the Quran. They were in the presence of the Prophet. He was purifying them. He was making do it. Yuzakihim. He was giving them zakaha. And there's a khilaf about that, whether the zakah is God, or it's the person out of his own effort. But there's mukhlis and mukhlas in the Qur'an. So you need both. You need the tazkiyah of God, which is the tawfiq, and you need your own energy to do the tazkiyah. So these scholars began to uh, write about taskiyah. Imam al-Muhasibi introduced the idea of khawatir, that there's four kinds of thoughts. So, he differentiated between the thought process of the human being. He said there's khatar rabbani, khatar malakani, khatar nafsani, and khatar Shaytani. So, any thought that comes to your mind is from one of these four sources. In reality, all of consciousness is from God. But Allah created a world of asbab. So, He has angels that work on His behalf. So, the rabbani thought is a powerful, positive thought that you can't disobey. It's the thought that made you fast Ramadan this year and made you just pray Maghrib. These are the Rabbani thoughts that come that you can't disobey them. The Malakani is the one that got you to do the Sunnah after the. (laughs) It's a lighter. It's something you could take it or leave it, but it's better to take it. The Nafsani is the one that told you, I'm tired, I'm not going to do the Sunnah now. And then the Shaytani was uh, the one that stopped people from praying at all <laughs> out there. so these are the different types of thoughts that people have and Al-Muhasibi uh, put that down and then you had Abu Talib ibn Makki who wrote al Qulub, the nourishment of the hearts and talked about the Maqamat, identified nine Maqams, the, the Christians have three theological virtues, the Muslims have nine theological virtues and, uh, and and so, Imam al-Ghazali, he began to read these books, and he was deeply distressed. Because what he was realizing was, all of the things that they were talking about that were negative, he, he could see in himself. And so, th- this is the beginning of his crises. But he, but he was also... A very prestigious scholar. He's 38. He's at the 40. I mean, that's the peak. The Irhasat of the Prophet began at about 38. I mean, that's really when the human being, Aristotle said 49 is the peak. He was 49 at the time he said it. Right? <laughs> but in our tradition, 40 is, is the, the peak. I mean, that's really at the point where you're, you're, you're at the peak because you've got the quwa of the youth and the wisdom of age. And so that, that is really, and then some will say 50, that, that you know, that, that's, and some will say 60, that the, the Sheikh Khoukha begins at 60. Um, but he was at the peak of his uh, career, intellectually, financially, uh, socially. Uh, Kings wanted his company. All of the ulama admitted that he was the best scholar of the time. He could win any argument. He, he he literally could beat anybody in dialectic because he'd studied jadal to an extreme degree so he knew all the ways to argue he was very um, arrogant by his own admission but he also said that he realized that what he was doing, he was teaching because he wanted stature, he wanted praise, he wanted the jah and the prophet warned us about jah and, and mal he said that these are more dangerous for the religion of a person than a wolf in the midst, a hungry wolf in the midst of sheep, and jah, his stature, prestige. This is what speaks, stops many people in the United States from speaking out about uh, the Palestinian issue. Many people in the US, they know, they've got careers, they've got, they're, they're in CNN, they're in uh, uh, all these news agencies or they're in academia and they know that it's a death sentence for their careers. So Jah is more important to them than Haq, than truth. Chris Hedges is a good example of somebody who's completely destroyed his career and reputation. Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Now he's he's a pariah in, in that community. They won't put him on TV anymore. Why? Because he speaks out against the injustices in Palestine. So that's Jah. That's what Jah does. It prevents you from speaking the truth. And this, this, this uh, controls many, many people. This concern about what other people think. So uh, I was telling one of my sons that he shouldn't care about what other people think. And he, he quoted to me David Foster Wallace who said, you'll stop worrying about what other people think about you when you realize how little they do think about you. (laughs)